0: The 1950s and 60s were a golden era for Scottish football. At the time, provincial teams had a real say at the top table. And challenging for honours was a realistic ambition. Between 1960 and 1965 Kilmarnock were the perennial nearly met. Second place finishes and runners-up medals aplenty. Then, in 1965, the long-awaited league title. In this episode of Killy Histories, I speak with a lifelong supporter, reserve league cup winner. 1964-65 squad member, and his classic match, a small matter of a 9-2 destruction of Falkirk. I'm Gordon Gillen, and this is Stuart Beaburn. to be, I'm not just a player for the club, but a supporter as well. As a young fan, it was second place finishes, it was cup final losses, and then when you came into the team 1963-64, it was a second place in the league championship again. Did you ever get the feeling that it wasn't going to happen for Kelly? Oh, yes I did.
1: I thought we'd been there before. My parents took me to football when I was a wee boy. My mother was one of the first female supporters, in fact. We were lucky because being a whose boy... Eh, <laughs> <laughs> and my mother and father were supporters home and away because we had a family called the Hannah family who on my mother's side a shop was at the coffee club in Bank Street they were drapers and furniture people and they had a minibus. they had made out as a taxi
0: Supports in the nineteen sixties and fifties, I suppose, as well. It'd be quite a, an unusual thing to be going on such a regular basis. Is that fair? I I think so.
1: Um, I, mean, see, I was lucky. My wife, we met at sixteen years of age, and we both were football supporters. We're both Comala supporters. The only disappointment we had was that uh, we had the uh, three TV boys that we had. One, the youngest, signed for Rangers. Which,
0: Disappointment, well of course it was disappointment When Kelly were finishing second On a regular basis Was it disappointment tinged with pride? Where did the balance lie there? It's
1: one or the other, it's never halfway It was uh, disappointment in many cases I remember we played Dundee When Alan Gozine played for Dundee Way back, when Dundee had a very good team And Jim McFadgen and I Were two of the sort of part-time players At that time And I remember Willie Waddle Donald, I remember it at that time, saying to Jim McFadden, now if Colzine goes to the toilet, Jim, you follow him. <laughs> and Jim's boot lace came out, and when he was trying it, Colzine scored the goal. <laughs> 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 it
2: was one of these memories that just never leave you. Dundee take the field at Ibot Stadium in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, and very soon forced Kilmarnock onto to the defensive, though not seriously troubling Forsyth. Kilmarnock on the move. Their attack is foiled by Dundee's centre-half Things are averted. After 31 minutes, Dundee inside left Gilzean opens the score. At halftime, time it's Dundee 1-0. So, when play is resumed after the interval, the match is still open. It's evident that this Dundee side are now moving with a lot more purpose than in the first half. They score again. Kilmarnock sees every chance they get to attack, but they can't penetrate Dundee's excellent defense. Dundee go on pressing till the very end, and before the final whistle, they win the semi-final 4-0.
0: I'm really interested to know how you balanced out the pride at playing for your local team and being there at an era, well, it's not been repeated, that era of success. Never say never, but that was the defining era of success for the club. But yet, your rivals for the position were Matt Watson and Andy King at fullback. That's right. Did you ever get frustrated at how consistent they were?
1: Oh, aye, I got frustrated. Um and even worse, when I discovered friends friends friend of mine who came from the Paisley area who said to me that they met Matt Watson every Friday night in the, a golf club in the area, and he sat and had a couple of pints with them on a Friday <laughs> night before a game on a Saturday. I thought, hell, well, well, I wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't my We just did not drink in certain circumstances, and that was one of. Them. In many ways, I mean, Willie Wardle summed it up to me, and, and been very honest as he always was. But he said to me, Stuart, you're too nice a boy to be a football player, a professional football player. Now at the time, I took that as an insult, but as griller, I grew older, I realised what he meant. That you had to be ruthless to be a success. It was a great time to be at but There were a lot of quality players. The right David Sneddon was a personal friend of mine. And uh, Brian McElroy and the pit, Bobby Fergusons of this world. Andy King was a close friend of mine too. It was a good club. But if we hadn't won the league or if we hadn't been close to winning the league or things like that, then it wouldn't have been deemed to be such a good club. Success brings a good club along with it. It was absolutely correctly like a professional club. I mean, Walter McRae went away to learn how to train mod- modernly with Kalina Herrera and come back and introduce sort of more modern techniques of training rather than just running around the track, which when what we did. It, when I started as a wee boy, training with Kilmarnock, that was your training, that was your fitness. A ball didn't come into it. Fortunately, latterly it did. It was, it was all about football.
0: I asked Stuart to reflect on how the dynamic changes when you were a player who is also a supporter. Is there any extra pressure?
1: Oh, very much so, because my mother and father were out the game. There were family connections, as I told you earlier. There was always a pressure. I remember when my loss to Dundee and the cup, having to come back home and sit at my sister's house where it was my sister, my wife, my mother, my father, their brows were all down and uh, there was no effort made to cheer me up. <laughs> it was like going to a funeral
0: because <laughs> the family all felt it as, you know, as commarsely Did you ever think about that when you were on the pitch, the fact that you, that oh, you were a fan? Oh, yeah. 1963-64 and a second place finish in the league. Now, Stuart, yes. I spoke to Ronnie Hamilton and I asked him what his opinion was in terms of the difference between 1963-64 and then 1964-65, and he said it was as simple as a bit of luck in 1964-65. Yes. Do you agree with that? I do
1: actually, because there's enough a lot of luck in football. It not be there at the right place at the right time. Luck was a big part of it, but also. Luck manifests itself in hard luck, training and skill
0: and ability. Is that the player Stuart talking or is that a bit of the coach Stuart talking as well? It's the player and the coach because the, the coaching of youngsters is a very difficult thing to do. I did
1: it and enjoyed it after I stopped playing.
0: In 1964, Stewart starred in one of Kilmarnock's greatest league victories, a 9-2 win against Falkirk, the 1960s Killy team finding their stride ahead of the pinnacle the following season. Was there something about that game in particular? Everything came together? Or was it just one of those I things? normally at left back, which I, normally, I was
1: playing at right back that day. <laughs> Andy King was injured, but so I played it right back that day. I have a strange memory that uh, after the game, I was going home. And I went into a wee shop run by a man called Jimmy Smart, and he said he was a, he knew we knew each other for years. And Jimmy said, "Well, bad luck with this, Stuart. We'd won nine It was bad luck because we didn't get the ten And that's an amusing story, you know. it's not one I but I would berate the man or hold against the man. I knew what he meant. To my mind, it was only one person that spoke to me was ever brought that subject up was Jimmy Smart. Honest, until he said it, but didn't you know he couldn't get the tentacles. That didn't cross my mind. We were so elated and happy and I remember being in the dressing room and Willie Waddle was on the phone just after the game to Norrie McNeill who was away with the reserves as was normal in these days and saying, Nora it was just Mm. and the uh, chances and
0: very interesting stuart because it leads me to think when i asked you earlier about the frustration of patiently you're patiently waiting your chance and the frustration for you possibly of a team playing so many games together but these players obviously especially in the forward areas that we're talking about just now would have that understanding that you get from playing hundreds of games together no two doubts, I mean, I was blessed to be around these kind of players on a daily basis, on an evening basis, and that they talked a different way.
1: It was a different game altogether from what it is today, but the skill factor was still there, and the ability to read games was there. I mean, Lee Davey was a very clever football player. It was skill factor and the knowledge of the game.
0: Stuart narrowly missed out on playing a role in the greatest comeback in Scottish football history. His reflections on Willie Wardle's last minute decision were certainly magnanimous.
1: I worked in SMT as a training auditor, the SMT bus company, and he phoned me and said, Stuart, you're playing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I went straight home from the m- my job to my bed and then arrived at the park and he, Willie Wardle very cleverly had, had decided to change it all and played an attacking guy called John LaPange at left back instead of me. And that's what worked, because I think mean, Jim scored the first goal that night. That was a stroke of genius, what he did that night against Eintracht. When you think what the result was before the game started at Kilmama, and the game after it, and the result at the end of it. It was a total transformation, and the goals came along, and the result came along. And uh, I don't think Willy Waddle got the credit he was due for that, to be honest. He was just a Glasgow boy, Willie Waddle, and a, a good man-manager. He, uh, he was honest said things to me, it was, when
0: you think back, I think, God, it was right enough, you know? And that's hindsight, I know hindsight, it's not an exact science, but <laughs> often I'm not, it's uh, the truth comes out. After that 9-2, the 9-2 victory, oh. I understand that there's a hierarchy within, within football and this part-time, full-time status did have a, a significance, but yes. you would have been disappointed that Andy King coming straight back in, or, or was that something you knew would happen in advance?
1: I knew it would happen. And there was no illusions. I had no illusions of grandeur. I had uh, a very basic and excellent working class council house upbringing. Mm. On it. and my parents were very good at teaching you rights and wrongs and keeping your feet on the ground. Probably they didn't encourage me or, or, or say nice enough nice things about when I played well. I had an example of that when I was playing one day, and it was for when I was at, at Poon Juniors, and you no, as a trainee from Carmarlock father would come to games, but I couldn't see him often. But I'd see him at this game up at New Mills or something, playing tune, playing somebody. And I came home at night, and my mother said, Your father said you played well today, Stuart. I said, Well, why doesn't Harry had never seen before. He, he, he just came out of the ground and the one
0: as a player who had the quality to play in the team of the 60s in Scotland the team of the 60s always performing well how do you deal with watching games? Oh you become
1: hypercritical but uh, not not out loud I mean we go to the football, my wife and I, and um, we're very lucky where we sit because, and folk don't believe me when I tell them, you never hear a swear word where we sit in the at least, or we stand whatever it is. It's good crack and good fun. But uh, yes, I can sit there and f- say to my wife, because she's quite knowledgeable about football too, I can say, well, don't blame the player because that didn't happen that way, it happened this way. And you, you see another, you see a third dimension in sport. I was what, 16 years of age, and uh, her father went to the football, and I, when I discovered that I thought, God, I'll need all swim in the badness after me.
0: Made aware of it and stopped it. There's an argument to suggest that had you played for a different club, you would have oh. played many more games. Correct. And I just wonder, did you ever think once you'd made your breakthrough in that nineteen in nineteen sixty three, sixty yeah. four, did you think about moving on earlier than that? I never wanted to play for anyone else but the Club either. I was quite happy to take out you know, to be the reserve, to be associated with the club, to mix with the players, the managers. Malcolm MacDonald and Willie Woodall. It was a privilege and an honour to me. Honestly, it was. I mean, I used to play, it's quite funny because I get people saying
1: to me about having to play two games a week. I played rugby for the Kilmarnock Academy first 15s on a Saturday morning and then went and played with Kilmarnock Amateurs on a Saturday afternoon at football Mm -hmm. in Glasgow League. So my Saturday was two games, different games altogether. But I was good at rugby and football. And I loved rugby and football. That was a strange one, I can tell you. All sensible, to in terms of what we see now, don't depend, unless you're a superstar, don't depend on football
0: being a, a lifelong earner for you. But it was a wonderful part of my life, I can tell you. 1964 65, you were, I suppose, in a privileged position of being a member yes. of, the, of the squad travelling to Tynecastle on that final day. Yes. Willie Waddle had said that this was it for him. 1964 65 was his final season. Did the squad have a feeling that it was now or never? Did it impact the squad in that kind of way? I don't think we thought about it that way. I, I know that I, although I wasn't playing at Ten Castle, I was. I travelled with the team into uh, Ten Castle, and the, the crowd was so vast that day that Jim McFadge and I, who were the sort of travelling reserves,
1: we had to stand in the enclosure at Ten Castle to watch the game. We yeah. couldn't get a seat in the stand. And normally, we, would, as players not playing, we'd be straight to the stand, but... Um, Just being part of it. And we always went, after that, we always went on the road home, whether it was the reserves or the first team, we went to the Ivy in Glasgow at the restaurant Mm -hmm. for a meal on the road home. We were really posh. That (laughs) (laughs) was.
0: to speak with Stuart Leyburn and thank you to him for his reflections on the great team Kilmarnock was in the 1960s. This interview was recorded in 2021 by telephone. Kaley Histories is made for the Kilmarnock FC Former Players Association. Find out more at www.kaleyhistories.com or visit the podcast's Twitter and Facebook pages at Kaley Histories. The series is made entirely not-for-profit with every guest giving their time for free. If you like Killy histories, please do leave a review where you listen and also spread the word. The theme music, Clear Progress, by Scott Holmes Music.com, is used under free Creative Commons license. Huge thanks also to this season's sponsor, The Killy Trust. Find out more about The Trust at www.thekilleytrust.com. I'm Gordon Gillen. See you next time.
1: Take me walk, I was a I didn't know that until after I stopped playing. But uh, and I remember him saying to me, I'm playing against the Celtic Reserves at the Blue Bar, against Jimmy Johnson. The game was very old, he came up behind me, a shy, not pointing a finger, but nobody would have known me. He was talking to me, he just said, Stuart, I know what you're thinking, I know what Mr. Worrell have told you, he to to Jimmy Johnson, now I'm watching you. <laughs> that was just one of the best referees I was ever
0: privileged to be involved with, was Tiny up. Is that something that Willy Waddle will have told you to, to maybe do? Oh, aye. Aye. <laughs> let them know, know you're there,
1: Stuart. Uh, works to that effect.